When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Best Ball Mania 3 on Underdog Fantasy is 60% full. We have less than a month until the NFL season gets here, which means we have less than a month to round out our BBM teams. I've got 90 in myself. We're going to figure out today how to polish up those remaining 60, polish up however many left you have to do, and strategize around some of the risers, fallers, stacks, and everything about Best Ball Mania 3. All right, guys, as Tony says, do that, do that thing, do that thing. A um, couple of quick housekeeping items before we get into the Best Ball Mania 3 discussion. I am posting tonight the Best Ball Mania 3 playbook. So for if you're a subscriber on Spike Week, you will get the Best Ball Mania 3 playbook tonight so we will talk through some of those things not everything some of those things we will talk through today and the big dog if you're interested in drafting in the big dog on underdog that will be out tomorrow so tons of different playbooks tons of content and everything coming out also um non-underdog related but if you have not seen Another company within the best ball space called Drafters, Drafters Fantasy, has their best ball championship, which is going to have by far the most overlay of any tournament in all of best ball this summer. Um, I'm not sure if it's even going to get to 75 or 80 percent full, and it is cumulative scoring, a $20 entry fee. There's 55,000 possible entrants. Um, but I think it's 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 not going to come anywhere close to filling, I don't think. And for anyone that's not aware, the prize pool is guaranteed. So if they only get 30,000 people that enter into that tournament, they still have to pay out the entire million-dollar prize pool just as if 55,000 people entered it. If you use promo code SPIKE or you hit the link in 
the description for drafters, you can get a free entry into that tournament by depositing just $10. Um, I've mentioned it a few different times. It is my favorite promo kind of going across the industry. So if you're kind of trying to decide, which is something we're going to talk about today with Best Ball Mania 3, how to navigate this this final month, there is a contest out there that I think is is very advantageous for all of us to draft into because I just don't see how it's going to get any, anywhere anywhere close to filling. And so promo code SPIKE, deposit just 10 bucks, and you'll get a, a free entry into that tournament. Wanted to make sure to bring that one up before we hop into BBM. Vadim, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And yes, thank you, Tony. I, I am feeling better. It was two days of uh, not, you know, a day and a half to two days of, <laughs> you know, when it's uh, like stomach bug type stuff. That's always not, and it's not particularly fun. Took the COVID test and all that fun jazz. And uh, it, uh, we're feeling, we're feeling a lot negative on the COVID test, by the way. And, uh, but we're feeling, we're feeling a lot better. It's a miserable um, couple of days, but I'm excited to get back into um, some best ball mania stuff. And I talked about if you have followed any of the, uh, watched any of the shows over the last couple of weeks, maybe even last month or so, I had been kind of not drafting um, in best ball mania three for a stretch there. I wanted to get to, um, to, to the, the typical, what people would call the barbell draft approach, where I would get half of my drafts in kind of before training camp and preseason and stuff started. I did not quite get there. I think I only, I don't even think I got to 60. It was like 58 or 59, I think drafts before camp started. And then I kind of, so I paused, I was maxing some, I was, uh, uh firing on, on some other sites, DraftKings and such. And so, but I'm back hardcore in the in the bbm streets you'll see i've gotten to 90 so i've done a lot of drafts over the course of the last week or so all fast drafts and so i've been kind of really locked in on bbm like i said i'm writing the playbook and thinking through how i want to kind of handle these final these final teams and handle all the the craziness that's kind of going on with training camp with players getting steamed like honestly we've never really we've never really seen before um i hit a couple comments before we totally dive in eric asked when nba best ball content yeah soon so if you are interested in the nba side of things you know the schedule just dropped and so that's obviously going to be very important for um, figuring out some some player targets. The schedule is similar to NFL, very important for those playoff weeks, um, and and maybe even more so in NBA, where uh, the amount of games you play can be just as important, um, even more important than um, you know your matchups and and stuff like that. Uh, we'll be putting out quite a bit of NBA best ball content here fairly shortly. Rankings are already up. If you go to the site and you go and you're a subscriber. And you go to um, other sports and then NBA, the top 200 rankings have been up um, for a little bit for, for NBA. Um, we'll be getting to content and everything, uh, written content, video content and everything um, very soon. But got to power through some, some NFL stuff. Um, 
So Best Ball Mania 3, we're at a weird and funny section of two things. We're at a weird section of the best ball landscape. Like we're going to look back, I think, in years. And And if we look back to the last couple of years and you think about just how much this whole thing has changed, right? Even a year or two ago, the market has always been very reactionary to camp news, right? We saw, if you remember last year, like the the CD Lamb stuff. He was one. Of, he was one of my favorites. You know, he was getting, uh, and I drafted a lot of CD last year. He was getting crazy like highlights at practice and all this. Right, he was the guy getting you know constant Twitter hype all of last offseason. Gets him steamed all the way up to like the two three turn in in drafts but that was like a a kind of a gradual thing where it took a few weeks or whatever for these guys to get really steamed and really um you know pushed up the boards by everybody as opposed to like say oh it's just these crazy wide receiver people that are pushing this guy up or whatever this year is different it's it's We've never really experienced this type of a fantasy football market. Certainly not a best ball market. I mean, we never had contests like this. We never had, um, as uh, Carlos brings up the Pomeranian, I mean, we never had contests that were coming out and filling in a few hours, (laughs) which is what happened with the first Pomeranian, right? Um, This whole landscape is entirely different than anything we've ever experienced. And so... That's important for us to take into consideration. This is the first guy that I was going to bring up that uh, Eric mentions. And George Pickens has that dog in him. Easy 101. And George Pickens definitely has that dog in him. However, it's it's funny, right? Um, Pickens goes from a fairly late round pick. And, and we can argue about exactly where he should go. Was he mispriced? I think he was probably a little mispriced before and then we get an endless string of hype from reporters on George Pickens and 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 it's not just like oh he looks great it's <laughs> it's the most absurd hyperbolic stuff ever right then he has a good preseason game week one and he's being called Randy Moss and Terrell Owens and the best rookie these guys have ever seen you know and he goes from what the one sixties or something like that to, as Tony says here, like at the latest on underdog in the one twenties, the absolute latest. I'm not sure I've even seen him available <laughs> in the one twenties. Somebody was in the discord mentioning that. And now this, a lot of the times can be a misclick or a timeout or whatever, a cue issue, but that, you know, somebody saw him go like 41st overall. I did today see him go like in the seventies. And I think these are like, like, I don't know if I've seen him go outside of the top 100 anymore. And so the stark nature in, in which these guys are changing and changing fast. And when you think about it, it makes sense because there's, so it used to be right there would only be so many drafts happening in a day. Now there was quite a few drafts happening in a day on underdog last year, but not like this, right? We're we're not filling the Pomeranian in three hours or four hours or whatever it was. 
last year. So it would be more gradual and not everybody was quite as locked in. There wasn't this amount of news, right? We were still a little bit in pandemic eras, you know, definitely two years ago, last year, still a little bit. And so it wasn't like this situation where we would get all this reporting. And uh, I think it was um, Rob was talking with, uh, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks or something. I don't remember if it was Corrine or who it was, but that came on the football show on Tuesday nights. And he said, like, I feel just from sitting on Twitter, like I watched every play of the Jaguars practice because that's, uh, that's, uh, the speaking of got that dog in him because like every play is posted to Twitter, every, any catch a player makes, if a good route, a bad route, everything is being put onto social media, right? Um, now we'll talk about him a little bit more too, but with, with Traylon Burks, anytime he makes a good play, we see it. And then people are calling Justin Jefferson. It's absurd, but you have this situation with George Pickens where with so much news being reported and so many drafts happening in a day and every draft, he goes a little higher that ADP updates. And the next day, the guy's risen multiple rounds, like in a day. Because so many drafts are happening and it's a you know it's rolling, a rolling ADP. Um, <laughs> that is that is uh, really funny. Derek says I'm currently driving and my dog is now convinced there is another dog in the truck. That is that is really funny. That's what that's what you get. Uh, that's what you get with the uh, Spike Week uh, shows. Your your dogs will freak out. My dogs will freak out. They'll probably wrestle. Um, they're a part of the experience. So if you don't like dogs, tough shit. I had somebody, uh, uh, quick side tangent, non-bestball related. Somebody left a, uh, or, or tweeted at me because, you know, it, it, my dogs like to play. Okay. This is like their peak energy time. I should probably change the show schedule, but this is what. I prefer this this show schedule, even though the dogs lose their shit. But they they have energy at this point in the day. One of them like barked or something. Totally normal, just like now. And the guy, this guy, tweets at me. Apologies if you're walk uh, watching right now for me calling you out. But he said, you know, it was very nice. Like, really love your content. But can you like make the dogs not bark in into the mic? It's it's painful or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, bud. <laughs> Let me like, hey, dog who doesn't understand a word of of English at your peak time while I'm on the show with AirPods in and talking to you, talking to my computer screen. Um, I'll make sh- I- I'll uh, I'll make sure that they never make a peep. You know, they're trained. They're not that fucking trained. If they want to have some fun, I'll let them have some fun. Um, and it, it makes it makes for more fun of the show. Uh, plus, uh, if people like I said, if people don't like dogs, you can find a find a cat show. Somebody probably has a cat or something uh, uh, running around in the background. Exactly. Exactly. Your dog knows English. It's funny. Anyway, so George Pickens, right? He's he's absolutely the, the epitome of this kind of initial conversation that I think we should have about. 
how to handle these types of situations. Um, you get this crazy movement um, with the steamy players, right? We'll also get to uh, Pacheco. But you get this crazy movement, and it's, it's um, this combination. You have to be thoughtful about the situation because it's not as simple as just like, oh, my God, I love this guy, and look at how good he is and everything. Let's just draft him. But it's also not as simple at, that I, I think the mistake people will make also as all, the alternative being, oh, my God, he's getting steamed out the board, can't take him. And it's it's a lot more in between, and every we have to treat every excuse me every situation differently. And Pickens is about to be the one where I do think we're going to reach the time of uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure that we can draft him anymore. Probably uh, maybe maybe Pacheco too, but you, we have to talk through these situations and 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 think about them because you know there are. Absolutely reasons to be excited for 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 George Pickens. But chasing the former 15th round pick or whatever it was, 14th round pick up and doing this Marquez Callaway thing, just because he's getting a lot of hype while not accounting for the, all the factors of the tournament, best ball mania specifically, and not, not accounting for, you know, like a little bit more nuance than just guy good at football smash him in drafts it's there's a lot more to it and i think this at this point in the draft cycle are is like the main conversation that we probably need need to be having right um how to handle the george pickens brian robinson in the in the chat is a really is a uh another really good one and i'm gonna pull those guys up here in uh uh just a second So let's look at some ADP. So we're going to look through some of these guys and talk through literally like how much of these guys risen, right? Let's talk about these super steamy players. Okay. So if I go to, um, you can, you can look through tons of different ADP stuff on, on the site. Um, you know, bot, by particular site, by a round, you can just look for the individual players. You can look at teams, etc. But we also have this. I can look at like you know the if you use Underdog 2022 season, this does include the puppies and all that. But it's kind of one ADP set. So Underdog uses the same ADP: Best Ball Mania, Puppy, Pomeranian. Obviously, not Superflex. Superflex would be different. You can see here 2022 season Super. Uh, you can't see it on my pop up, but if I if I went and looked at the Superflex be able to see it but you can search a bunch of different players so that's what we're going to kind of start with these super steamy players and think about what do we what do we do with them right so pickens is obviously george pickens one pacheco what i do Doesn't he spell his name differently? How did he spell his first name? Forget how to say. There we go. I A H. Checo. Brian Robinson. Who else we got? That's gotten super steamed up. Um, oh, uh, we. Well, he's not a, a steamy player, but he's a 
popular play. We can put uh, Burks on there. Um, looking at the chat. Oh, another guy who I thought was uh, Zamir White has really gotten steamed up. Dubs, Dobbs, Dobbs. Great call, Danica. Great call. Romeo, Dobbs, Pierce, Damian Pierce, 100%. Damian Pierce, my lord, he has gotten uh, pricey. Lots of, are these all rookies? Yeah. The all rookies. The entire, the, <laughs> the entire group is all rookies. So there's a little, you know, the you'll have the first day, if you did not draft, uh, on day one of Best Ball Mania 3. You have a little bit of weird quirks because uh, on day one, the rookies did not have ADPs because they loaded um, it like a, you know, they, they didn't have anything to work off of, basically. Um, here we go. Get a non, let's get a non rookie on here. Second, second year, second year player. Um, oh, also got to get uh, a Lance. Julio, you know, gotta gotta rep rep one for the olds, and then we'll we'll do Julio. Julio, maybe KJ Hamler. So here's our guys, and we can take a look at at ADP and we can kind of check some of them. <laughs> we'll do some fallers after this. We'll do some fallers. Uh, damn it. Tolbert. You're right. I can add Tolbert. All these damn rookies. Michael Thomas. Good call. Michael Thomas, Tony, Ayuk. How many guys do I got on here? Um, Tolbert. Ooh, Ramondre. That's a good one. We'll hit some more. I promise. We'll we'll move some we'll move some guys in in and out. But let's take a look at this now to kind of start. So, um, like I said, you know, the very 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 beginning ADP on some of these guys is you know very very low. We can kind of forget like that first day, right? Let's just kind of ignore that first day and just kind of look a little bit at um, general basic trends, right? So. The uh, here's here's our man Pickens in red, right? Isn't this so funny? So obviously, kind of kind of settles in over the course of the early part of draft season. George Pickens, what's this? One fifty to one sixty, all the way down. Let me zoom it just a little bit more, so we can see it better. Um, a little too much. All right, so Pickens. Oh, this is a damn screen. Pickens is, you know, settling in here late June, early July, 170, right? Gets gets down to 173. So if we kind of consider through most of, you know, he was a little, it is, I, I actually didn't know this. It is crazy to, uh, to see this start kind of high 140s you know to 150 for may 
And then we get to June and it's kind of a plummet down to one seven. Did he get to one seventy five? Yeah. So we we bottom out at one seventy six. Let's call it. We bottom out not that long ago. I mean, it's August seventeenth, and on July twenty eighth, George Pickens is going at pick one seventy six. Right. Then we get to camp. <laughs> As you can you can see the spot right here where we got to camp and it's like, oh, my God, it's almost like every day you could see the oh, there was a report. There was a report. There was a report. And now. As of today. One twenty five. Point two. Fifty picks. We've risen 50 picks in two and a half, three weeks. Let's call it three. So something I wrote about in the playbook today, which is not, like I said, not out yet. It'll be out tonight. Something I wrote about in the playbook today is when we get Pickens is a great example, a rise from, let's say, the 18th to the 13th round. Or in this in this case, you know, the 16th to the 10th round, which is basically where we're at now is not the same as a similar ADP change, 50 to 60 picks or whatever, is not the same as rising from the eighth round to the third round, right? An eighth to a third round rise is a significantly bigger move because of the quality of player you have to keep passing and the the tiers and types of players that you pass in order to get there. So we don't want to just say, George Pickens has risen five rounds. I cannot take him. And that's a, I don't have him on here, but this is another great one from Danica Isaiah McKenzie. He actually is a guy for me who I was taking when he was going in the 18th round. And I'm still taking, I believe his ADP is around 150. And I'm still okay taking him at that because pick 150 is like, not really anything special but once you start to cross over where pickens i believe is headed based on you know kind of tangential evidence it's it's just my personal drafts that i've been doing watching him go higher and higher and higher and seeing other people say like in the spike week discord saying okay he's going like i'm seeing him go in the 70s i'm seeing him go in the 80s right and he's certainly not a guy fall falling past ADP anymore. And so he's a guy that we need to monitor. And I think we're soon about to reach the point where he's, it's going to be maybe crazier than Marquez Callaway last year, who went from 18th round to like seventh, eighth round. I think that type of a leap when, as we said at the top, the, Entire turn like tournament is about 60% full right now. So 60% of teams, let's call it 50% of teams, were getting pickings at all these, right? 165 in the 160s or 170s. And now when we cross into the single digit rounds, I think it's that's when we're gonna start to be let's pump the brakes a little bit on on George on George Pickens right now maybe he won't keep going that but that's kind of my 
my prediction. So let's take off Pickens. Uh, let me take off a couple. I'm going to take off a couple of these guys and then add add some more back in. Um, I, I do want to point out Julio. Um, what color is where is Julio? This no, don't want to do that. Um, so he's down here. I just got too many names on here. Um, let's remove, let's remove Lance Julio down here in our purple, right? He's a he is a funny one though. Uh, no, down here. Where where the hell is? Oh, it changed colors on me. Green. So here's here's Julio. <laughs> also pretty funny kind of a similar thing julio is kind of a similar thing to uh pickens currently going ahead of pickens i pick 116 what i will say about julio is i think he's gonna basically kind of level out and probably fall a little bit back here so it's a perfect example of two guys who've risen about the same amount julio was going you know 17th 18th round now he goes um close to pick 100 I am not personally buying Julio at this at this price, but a it's because I I I, I my 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 take is just like, like an anti Julio and an anti archetype that Julio is. It doesn't have anything to do actually with with his rise because I think he's kind of leveled out at you know let's call it this eleventh round or whatever, tenth round eleventh round, and I think it's it's kind of. It's kind of okay. I think he's probably going to even out here. And okay, so people got Julio in the 17th round, and you're now taking him in the in the 11th. But there's a lot else that changes throughout this cycle, right? When people were getting Julio in the 17th or 18th round, they were also do 100% guaranteed probably have some other whiffs, right, on the team. Something you'll find fairly frequently is the type of people taking Julio Jones. We're also probably taking Will Fuller, <laughs> those types, right? Um, or, you know, they could have landed on Will Fuller with Julio. They could have landed on Ronald Jones with Julio. I landed on lots of David Bell, <laughs> who's, who's completely tanked on the opposite, right? Maybe they were taking Deshaun Watson, though the type, it's kind of like uh, Hayden Winks from Underdog did a great study on people who draft more zero RB teams typically draft these types of players, archetypes of players more frequently. On the flip side, people that draft more robust teams, right? AJ Green isn't on zero RB bros teams. Even when the zero RB bro drafts a robust team, he doesn't take AJ Green. The robust running back bro will take the AJ Green because it, it just, that's just kind of how the human brain works when you're you know naturally that type of a drafter. So that's how the Julio thing works as well. And I think a lot of other stuff has changed when a guy settles into, you know, beyond pick 100, 120, whatever. I think Julio might fall a little bit here as Pickens rises, as, you know, as we've seen Jalen Tolbert rise, et cetera. I think you need to treat each of those situations differently. And that's kind of why we're walking through some of this. Like, who should we keep taking? Who shouldn't we take? And I think Pickens is currently like the most extreme example where the other thing to, to, to consider with Pickens is that he plays for the fucking Steelers, right? Like if we take a step back and you th like, think about this, it, Julio is old and you know, there are concerns with that. Like I said, I personally have concerns with, with Julio Jones as, a, as an individual pick. 
But this is also still Julio Jones on a Tom Brady Bucks offense. Right? So you get a, you know, Mike Evans already hurt. Chris Godwin coming back from ACL. Russell Gage already hurt. No Gronk. Julio's, Julio's there with, with Brady. I can understand why you might be bullish. There's nothing negative to say about the situation for Julio Jones. And we generally know who Julio is. Now, he's if he hasn't already fallen off the cliff, he's soon to fall off the cliff because that's just how father time works. But we don't really have any concerns about Julio's track record, Julio's general ability, and his situation. George Pickens, on the other hand, is just getting nothing but hype, and I think it's fairly warranted. He looks awesome. You know, if he hadn't gotten hurt at Georgia, who knows what would have happened with his draft stock. But the difference is that this is a rookie on a Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph Steelers team. And like we're where Deontay goes in the at the four or five turn and Najee Harris goes at the one two turn and Claypool's being drafted fairly high and Pat Fryer is being drafted fairly high. I understand generally the the player, each individual player in a vacuum. And it, it shouldn't be about like, oh, this whole offense is um, you know, either overdrafted or or underdrafted. But it's a we're talking about a guy with plenty of target competition on a Mitch Trubisky offense in a really tough division. I, I think that when we start to compound all those things, we need to think through each one of these situations and be like, okay, it's it's both how much are you rising, what tiers are you rising through? That's the that's a big one for Pickens, right? Is rising through he's gonna he might end up being the highest drafted rookie. <laughs> if London, you know, London's already dinged up. If London falls, Burks is falling, Garrett Wilson, he's already surpassed Garrett Wilson. He's coming for Olave and Sky next, right? And soon he's gonna be the highest drafted. And and no one is thinking about the situation. They're just thinking about the camp hype. And so thinking through all of that different stuff is is kind of how I think we should talk about it. Now we spent a lot of time talking about George Pickens and some of that. So let's uh, look at a few other things. Let's look at the running backs. Let me, we'll come back to Tolbert, um, Nico, et cetera. And we'll let, let's, let's look at the running backs because the running backs can be kind of interesting. We'll, we'll definitely look at Dobbs, um, et cetera, but let's look at the running backs, these guys. And I'm going to put Ramondre on here because I, I, I mostly want to see him. Did anybody else have mentioned another, um, and then we'll do, and then we'll do kind of some fallers and then I'm going to pull up my draft IQ to, uh, start to talk about like, okay, now how do we proceed, uh, with, with, uh, you know, for me, 60 more drafts, some people in the chat were talking about, they only have a handful of more BBMs. All right. Running backs, the, the steamy running backs. How do we handle these guys? This is really funny. The Pacheco, Pacheco one is really, really funny. Um, so literally not drafted is basically what this is saying, you know, with two sixteen eighty p meaning enough people were like, just enough people were taking him to register him with the, with, with the two sixteen, it with the two sixteen ADP. And, uh, Hey, these damn dogs are pissing me off there. It's a pillow. Can't have pillows. No around um oh burks nope didn't mean to have burks thank you for pointing that out 
Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate you. Um, so Pacheco goes literally undrafted till August. And so that's another interesting variable, right? So George Pickens got picked in every single draft. Julio did not. Another thing that we didn't bring up with Julio. Um, Julio was probably not drafted in, in every draft because he fell so far for a, for, for a stretch. Um, yeah, Pierce is on here. Pierce is on here, Derek. Um, McKissick, I don't think, has risen. Um, I think he's fallen, if anything. Um, but yeah, happy to add. Uh, uh, yep, Pierce is, in, Pierce is in the pink. So we have Isaiah Pacheco, Brian Robinson, who has gotten the crazy steam here to start the preseason. We'll talk about in a second. Zamira White, similar. Damian Pierce, crazy uh, uh, hype lately. And then Ramondre has been a little bit more of hype as you as you can see here with his uh, blue line has just been like this steady rise over the course of of the entire summer where these other guys are like kind of just late late rocket ships late rocket ships okay so we have pacheco who is kind of his own beast within this this little space and and i do think we have to treat him differently and again it, it is a combination of these variables he wasn't being drafted for the longest time. So, A, that's a pro for taking him. If he, he wasn't drafted in 50% of drafts, let's just, I'm just using a random number, 40% of drafts. Let's just say that, right? Because, I mean, he was, he had an undrafted ADP basically for all summer. We didn't even, he was a seventh round rookie. Like, we didn't, nobody really knew. There's Rojo, there's, there's uh, um, McKinnon back there late and then obviously ceh so nobody really knew i'm i know there's a few people that probably took him here and there but um yeah exactly have have some respect they're uh they're uh they're very excited they they go crazy at random times too they were laying down like sleeping just a second ago and then i don't know what happens i guess they're they're pacheco fans so you have this thing where it feels with pacheco it feels crazy right the guy you're like, oh my god he was going in the 18th round here right he was going he was going in the 18th round all summer i can't believe i missed the boat i can't possibly take him at in the 150s now it's like setting aside you know more of a specific evaluation of isaiah pacheco i don't think we should worry that much yet about that adp again it, so you take him in the 150s we gained more information and he wasn't drafted, right? It's not like the guy was going in uh, uh, the Pickens thing. It's not like the guy that just was going in the 170s all the time, literally drafted at 100% of drafts, and now we're just getting some hype that's pushing him way, 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 way up, like Marquez Callaway last year. Now, I'm not saying George Pickens is Marquez Callaway, but the way he has risen is similar. Pacheco, on the other hand, was like this. Pacheco feels like if someone had told us about Eli Mitchell last year, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think he's going to be that. He could get cut for all I know. But it's a guy we've been trying to find the freaking Chiefs running back, right? Why were people smashing Rojo? Why do people still take CEH in the eighth, ninth round? Why were people taking Jerick McKinnon last year was said to have dead legs. <laughs> right the dude had the dude couldn't make it through the season because his legs were dead because he's old and dusty and has been hurt so much and we're still taking shots on him in drafts because we just know how valuable it is to play running back on the chiefs 
Now we have this young guy who we have questions about him as a prospect. You know, is this kind of hype of him running with the ones and stuff real? All legitimate concerns. But from a can I draft him because he's getting steamed or not? We have not reached that point yet. Now, again, we might reach that point where he starts going in the 120s and the 110s and the 100. I don't know if we'll reach reach that level with him. But if we do, that's something we need to consider. But as it stands right now with a 157 ADP, I, I think people will treat Pacheco like Pickens. And I don't think that they're that they're the same for multiple different reasons, um, including also positionally. Um, running backs are going to get that's something to take away from this whole conversation uh, that we'll definitely talk about when we get into when I pull up my draft IQ is that running backs inherently once we start to learn more are going to go higher and you have to be comfortable like damn he was going at 200 and now I got to take him at 157 like that's part you're paying for the more certain information that you have now that's part of drafting at this time of the year right why are all these guys some of it is hype right? Brian Robinson scores a touchdown. Zamir White, we're getting negative Josh Jacobs reports and maybe some positive Zamir White. We're getting kind of combinations of different things, sometimes hype, but also some of it's like everyone at Texans campus, Damian Pierce is our best running back. Damian Pierce is our best running back. By far, he's pass protecting, he's running, he's doing everything. And so you pay for that level of new information that we didn't have in May. Right? And so you can't just run away from the guys because these guys can be the best bets now. And we can pay for that. You have to just be cognizant of how you're like, what kind of rise we're talking about. And that's the most important thing. So really quickly run through these. Like I said, Dramondre was, was, was an interesting one going, you know, in the one twenties, low to mid one twenties early, early. And now, you know, I think, again, with good reason, is up into the 80s. I don't think that that's something that should stop you from taking him. I think that plenty of other things have changed around those entire tiers, including maybe some fallers that uh, we can get into in a in a second. Cough, Traylon Burks, cough. But, you know, I, I'm not concerned about that for Ramondre. Again, if it's a situation where we go, okay, he was in the 120s or 110s for most of the summer and he closes in the 50s or 60s. That's a huge issue. You know, so we might be approaching some start being a little more cautious with Armandre, but I would not worry about that specific change for him. Um, Damian Pierce is definitely one of the more interesting ones. The, the pink here just was hovering in, again, the 130s, 120s, um, something like that. And then, you know, we get the camp hype and the preseason game. And we're already up to 108.5. Not not something if you want to draft him that you're backing off, but it's interesting to see um, kind of that rise and a little bit of this, the similar situation. These are just guys we want to monitor at this point. I don't really think anybody here has such a... Um, I guess, <laughs> Zamir White maybe will, will eventually get there because I don't really know that anything has changed for Zamir White, but um, he's the one getting steamed. I think Brian Robinson is a guy who I, I, I still again 156 all you're doing is paying this premium from 195 to 155 because we know more now you can't just fade the guys just because we gained information and they rose most of the time this should be the case there was a 
there was a, a potential outcome with Brian Robinson where we didn't necessarily get this, you know, Antonio Gibson comes out and crushes with the ones and McKissick plays third downs and Brian, Brian Robinson is just getting the, the, you know, third and fourth quarter of preseason games that did not happen. And it's looking worse and worse and worse for Antonio Gibson. But um, again, these are just guys I think we want to, you know, keep an eye on. Nobody here has done anything from an ADP perspective to run, to run from. And in fact, if you run from the guys who should rise, when we gain that information, I think you're going to miss out on some um, kind of of the league with the potential league winners, right? Cause this, again, this is the, the point of draft season where we're gaining that information. That's the point of why we're drafting. Now you have to understand that you're going to pay a little bit of a premium. If you, if you just want to, if you just wanted to try to get all closing line value on all guys, you should have had your 150 teams done already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, okay. Let's uh, no Algiers. Algiers probably on the fallers list. I can pull up Algier really fast. Algier definitely. Type in the last name. Algier, I would bet is uh, yeah. So rose really quickly early in the off season, right? Um, which makes makes sense. You know, just those first couple of days when the rookies had suppressed ADPs, but then he's kind of fallen a little bit as uh, you know he's fallen a few picks in the last few days as he's kind of buried on the depth chart. And I mean, this one was probably fairly predictable. I would say like, what is Algier fifth rounder fifth round pick kind of a so-so prospect and um, on the Falcons and he's buried on the depth chart, you know Um, anyway. um, So we did the running backs. Uh, Traylon is a funny one. Let's, I, I want to look at his. Uh, look at that. <laughs> so Traylon topped out. Uh, what's here? 70.6. Yeah. For a few days in May. Mid-May, Traylon got up to pick 70. And uh, we bottomed out here. A couple weeks ago, around 97, and we're approaching back towards 97 again here. So uh, that's a that's a funny one. Gage is a Russell Gage is a very very good one. Great, great, excellent call. There's that man. You are right. That is that is very funny. Um, Gage has both right. Gage has Gage is the unicorn that has done the full U, as Neil says. <laughs> from from way down in the 120s um to start the draft season just steadily rising and rising and rising and rising and then boop shit all the way up to 70 pick 70 69.9 nice and then Julio signs Andy gets hurt and we're back down to 113 and falling more I think and so you see these these guys are just examples of right wrong or indifferent the rise fall of all these guys but you can uh uh yeah very nice timothy but you can see how just thinking about oh pacheco rose i can't 
I can't take him anymore. Or even, oh, Pickens Rose. I can't take him anymore. Because there's all these different guys, right? Here's here's gonna be my favorite. My favorite two. This one still is gonna tilt tilt me. I want to do David Bell and uh Fuller. You want to see some fall. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh so David Bell, one idiots like me were drafting him early in the summer going in the one forties started in the one forties. I pick one forty eight. We are now currently at an ADP of two eleven. Two two eleven just plummeting day after day. Day after day going down. David Bell. And then Fuller has been the I mean Fuller has been the exact same. One in from the one thirties down to 195 you know in the 190s so i'm not saying to take david bell i'm not saying to take will fuller i'm not saying to take traylon burks or russell gage but they're just examples of there are there are guys at different times throughout the entire cycle that are rising falling and then the other one I wanted to bring up, somebody mentioned this, Derek says, which is an excellent point to kind of put a bow on this, is there are also guys like Trey Sermon who nobody was drafting Trey. Absolutely nobody was drafting Trey Sermon early in the offseason, right? They draft Tyrion Davis-Price. We know Eli Mitchell um, was the guy last year. And Trey Sermon, we've just like, is he going to get cut? Like I, Nobody's drafting him. Now, look at this. Look at that. <laughs> so I guess technically he was kind of getting drafted literally the first, maybe the first day or something, <laughs> or actually he wasn't. And it was just a, a, a steady drop off for a couple days here. There was a couple people in all of drafts in mid May that took Trey Sermon. And then he went down to undrafted, totally undrafted. And now look, we got, we got, Trey Sermon is getting work with the ones. We got Kyle Shanahan talking about how jacked he is and how in shape he is um, getting work in the preseason game. And then now we're at ADP 205, which is not a big deal, but from undrafted to more of a 17th, 18th round pick. And so we get guys like Trey Sermon that pop up. We get, um, we might get, hopefully, fingers crossed, get some news about, say, a Steelers backup. Is it Jalen Warren? Is it Benny Snell? Is it Anthony McFarland? Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, uh, the the Falcons. You guys are kind of talking about the Falcons. There are Falcon. Damian Williams isn't getting drafted. Quadri Allison isn't getting drafted. Um, so there are those guys that you can kind of offset, right? With, okay, I took Pacheco in the 15th round now, 14th round. And that feels gross because he used to be going there, but now I just loop around. I'm like, okay, well now maybe I'll get my Russell Gage exposure. Now maybe I'll get my Traylon Burks exposure and then I'll mix through trace. Now I'm going to take Trey Sermon back there because he wasn't getting drafted. Right. And there, there's different ways to play this and all these different variables, things are moving around, shifting around because we're gaining more information. Trey Sermon's an awesome example. I appreciate Derek. You, you, uh, you bringing him up. Yeah. Jeff Wilson gets, um, gets drafted. Oh, Rojo. You're right. The other Eric B, uh, mentions Rojo. I don't, how could I forget? How could I forget Rojo? Donald, Donald Jones. Let's look at this one. <laughs> Good 
Good Lord. That is a fall. That is a fall from grace. We topped out. Rojo just hovered all summer in the mid one, mid to late 120s. Right? Um, goes up a little bit in July into the around 120, pick pick 120. And as everybody uh, knows, it has not gone well for Rojo in, in camp. And we just saw from, what day is this? July, you know, basically very end of July, July 31st. From July 31st, we go from pick 125 to 17 days later, 50 picks of ADP on Rojo. And so, you know, I'm not taking him, but if you wanted to say, okay, now's my, you know, let's fade this market plummet. I'll take Rojo that, you know, that offsets my, now I'm paying for Brian Robinson. Cause I got some certainty on him. And now maybe I'll buy this dip on Rojo again. That's I'm, this is not financial advice. This is just talking through examples of ways that the market shifts on all sorts of different kinds of guys when we're gaining new information. Yes. But like the Rojo thing hasn't really changed. We just now got this Pacheco thing <laughs> that, that maybe we didn't, that maybe we didn't expect. Um, yeah. JC says, will you show MVS and sky together? Great one. We're turning, I mean, we turn this into a, some uh, ADP analysis, but I think it's really good to walk through some of these and like sh- visually show the most kind of impactful guys in drafts um of like what their market evolution has been and how we can handle them so nothing too crazy um with mvs and sky um you know just a steady incline um from you know pick 120 of mvs up to here where he's sitting at 97 so a couple round rise for mvs whereas sky was kind of funny started out Look at this difference. So now they go pretty much right next to each other. Actually, this is very interesting. Started, you know, uh, we're all trying to figure out who did this with the ship chasers. Sky getting into the 80s, almost up to 80 overall, while MVS was going beyond pick 100, more like pick 110. Slowly get uh, slowly get uh, some... MVS steam up to about where he goes right now. And Sky being people probably correctly realizing that while Sky's really fun and high upside bet, I like Sky. I'm I'm taking Sky. Again, we'll get over to the draft IQ thing and start to talk through some specific players um, that we can draft moving forward or some some ways to approach the drafts the rest of the way. But you know, I think Sky at pick 80 when MVS was going at 120 was a little bit ridiculous. So the market kind of corrects that. Then actually MVS flips Sky, and now we're getting some some more Sky hype. Granted, he got hurt, but um, and then Sky kind of flips him. But now this is, you know, exactly, is it exactly right? I don't know, but it's kind of funny to see that evolution, right? Sky way higher. They actually kind of flipped for a couple weeks, and then um, now we I think we've settled in. I, I do think both these guys probably end up higher than this by the end of draft season. But generally speaking, um, I think this kind of a gap and such is, a, is about, is about correct. Um, 
Cheers, Quan. Appreciate you. I'm feeling much, much better. Uh, I can ask my wife. Uh, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very enjoyable 48 hours. Uh, Quan says, I think the order of running backs rolled out in the dress rehearsal slash preseason game is a signal, not noise, because seniority typically rules in most orgs. Yeah, it's definitely a um, a balancing act when it comes to the preseason usage and such, right? Um, you want to think about the signal. You want to take these things into account. Like the Rojo thing, it is a big deal. It's also not the end it's also not like camp isn't over. They've only had one preseason game. Rojo can still earn, you know, McKinnon could get cut or they could keep all four backs. And CEH isn't exactly some, someone that has earned any real right to touches either. And so, you know, this, this thing isn't over for someone like Rojo, right? It's certainly not over for Traylon Burks. It's not even over for, for, David Bell or Will Fuller, who knows? You know, I, it might be over for Will Fuller, but um, you know, there's it, it's it's up to all of us to kind of balance all this shit. And there's no really right or wrong answer, despite what probably some people will tell you is that you know, if if I kind of like Isaiah Pacheco, I, I think I'm not sure that that's the consensus. Like I'm okay, I'm comfortable taking him where he goes right now, given the new information that we have. I wish I would have taken some shots a long time ago on this, but there was no way for me to know, right? That's the point of drafting throughout the entire offseason is I have some teams from early on that have some, you know, that have the David Bells, but I also got other guys much cheaper, like MVS we see here, right? Um, like Trey Lance, et cetera. I got guys at good values then. I also have some shitty picks <laughs> on those teams, and you just kind of hope it all works out over the course of the summer. And then now I am taking Trey Sermon. I am taking some Pacheco. I actually wasn't super high on Brian Robinson. I did try to smash him a bu- in a bunch of drafts that day when when we instantly saw him, you know, playing with the ones, getting goal line touches, etc. Over Gibson, but like I, I think it's okay to take Brian Robinson at this new cost. I think it's okay to do those things. We just have to be smart about like I don't want to take every. I, I don't want my entire roster to be Brian Robinson and Isaiah Pacheco and George Pickens and. Uh, you know, the, I don't want it to be every single one. And Zamir White, etc. Um, yeah, Sean says, are we buying the dip on Gage? I'll be honest with you, I, 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 I am, <laughs> I am buying, I am buying the dip on Gage. I think it's the perfect time to get, uh, even if you're like a, an anti Russell Russell Gage guy. I think that's more of a um kind of like traditional season long managed type of of perspective like i am never going to draft russell gage like in my home league ever <laughs> never it's not going to happen i'm never going to feel comfortable starting him he's not good enough to like blow the roof off of you know a, a, a fantasy league but in best ball this game is different he is a decent target earner he is on the bucks brady did you know recruit him and bring him in i think he's a pretty decent football player and everyone on the Bucks that's decent smashes. And so I, at this new cost, I'm happy to just let the chips fall where they may. Right? Everybody on the Bucks smashed last year. Except Gio Bernard. That son of a bitch. What a bunch of bags of Gio I held last year. But everybody smashed. 
The highest scoring regular season team had Brady, Lenny, Gronk, Evans, and Godwin, I think. All on it. He can support these guys. Gronk is not there. And so um, I don't, I'm, I'm not some Russell Gage stand, but I think uh, I, I would want, if I'm going to draft any of him ever, I would want to do that now. And it's a perfect example of like, okay, you took Isaiah Pacheco three rounds before, you know, uh, you took him at pick 155 or whatever now, but you got Russell Gage at pick 130. So you, there, there's all these different ways to play this thing. And that's how we should be thinking through each going into each draft. Right. Um, let me pull up my draft IQ really quick. Cause we can start to talk through some of these players. <clears throat> so like I mentioned, I am uh, 90, 90 teams in here. You see 90 best ball mania teams. Um, I'm going to go over to the, to the exposure tab first. And you can kind of see a little bit of my quick overview. Um, unsurprisingly, it is kind of funny. We just talked about MVS, but I, I'm feeling pretty good about where I stand on all um, of kind of my highest exposure players, right? So <clears throat> if you know me, you know that um, I am a massive Gabe Davis stand, and I think that his current price is still kind of a bargain. <clears throat> um, so I'm drafting him for sure. MVS is also MVS is also a, a great example. Not I'm going to I'm saying similar to Russell Gage. I don't mean like in their play style or whatever cuz obviously they they're like couldn't be more different in in their play style and how they win on the NFL field and how they score fantasy points. But also another perfect example like we're going to get to my home league drafts and stuff and I'm not going to take MVS. <laughs> I don't I'm never going to know when to start him. I don't really think he has, you know, the like, I don't think MVS can be a second round pick next year. I mean, I guess technically it's in the range, but it's like such a low probability that it's silly to even consider. But he's the perfect best ball pick. Just catch, like, he, you you can't lose, right? If you listen to um, my favorite um, phrase from, from our, our good friend Ben Gretsch at Yards Per Gretsch on Twitter, coined a small miss a big hit small miss right small miss big win player mvs like just by the type of player that he is and he's playing with patrick mahomes is like like almost can't fail pick 100 or whatever like a ninth round pick catch a few long touchdowns have a few spike weeks from patrick mahomes smash please god let it be 150 and two in the championship but like you just like can't lose on MBS. So another perfect example of like, I want to have a lot of him <laughs> and I would never draft him in a managed league because it's not typically how I construct my teams, etc. Um, Cheers to you, Eric. It's an Eric thing. I'm sure. So, but you see here, I, I feel pretty good about kind of what I've implemented thus far through my 90 teams. Big stand on Gabe Davis, the type of the type of player that I'm I'm trying to take a stand on. MVS similarly. Daryl Henderson is my favorite running back pick in all of drafts. Um, he has risen a little bit, but 
I, I haven't been able to figure out why he went in the 140s or whatever for such a long time. <clears throat> uh, b- being that we just saw him be an awesome fantasy back last year, and now he's getting he actually is getting work with the ones and McFay's talking him up, etc. Kyle Pitts, obviously, uh, the type of tight end I want to go after. You know, getting a little worried about this big Dearness share, but this was part of the gamble with Dearness and, and Hunt. Obviously, being on the Browns is a, a, a risk, um, but we are betting hopefully on a trade, and um, obviously that's looking a little less likely, but it's, you know, you're just hoping for, you're hoping for something to play out in camp, right? Somebody to say, oh man, we made it through camp and preseason and my my backfield is just not as good as I hope it, it would be. And so there's Dearness and Hunt out there that'll be, you know, the, the Browns will be the first call that anybody gets for a running back um, or an injury, right? The the Cam Akers thing happens from last year and Dearness and Hunt are the Sony Michels of, of this year. Um, Michael Carter, just obviously I built a lot of zero and hero running back teams. He fits um, and he really hasn't gotten steamed up a lot. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm in on Michael Carter. Shout out to um, the Rotoviz guys um, who talked a lot about Michael Carter. Isaiah McKenzie, as we said, is a great example of a guy I was, I was buying in the 18th and I'm still buying. I'm very much in on Isaiah McKenzie, Hollywood and Kyler. You know, love, love that stack, love both of them in general. And then you have Gainwell again, another perfect uh, fit for the way that I build teams. And I think he was way undervalued before still buying him also at this new cost and Mike Williams. So you kind of see my general exposure type stuff here, right? Huge amount of correlation between Denver and Kansas city, which is really not surprising because those are the guys that I love on both teams. I, 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 MBS obviously as uh, one of my highest owned players. Alberto is one of my highest owned tight ends. Javante is one of my highest owned running backs. Plenty of Sky, Melvin. I just draft all those guys, and so it happens to work out that they play each other and they play in the, uh, you know, they play each other in week seventeen. But uh, I mentioned this multiple different times. These are the types of teams that I think we should be targeting, and I'm going to continue to target because I think the market has kind of like flattened out. Other than Pacheco, the market has like kind of flattened out on all these guys. I don't really see room for anybody to run. Maybe some Javante. You know, he got a little. <laughs> it was kind of a funny quote today from Melvin, but got some some hype from Melvin <clears throat> as the the kind of lead back and starter today. But uh, I'm going to keep smashing Denver and Casey. They are a crux of my uh, strategy, and they both have so many different players that are draftable that it's like almost impossible. I mean, you see, I'm going out of my way to draft MVS and draft players from those teams, and I don't really have. Uh, well, we can look at Kansas City. So I have 19% Rojo RIP, uh, 16% Skymore, 14% Mahomes, 12% Kelsey, and 10% McColl, 6% Juju. So you can see I'm skewing more MVS, Sky, and the the cheaper guys, but I do take a little bit. So there, I have three Pacheco teams, uh, three Ceh teams, uh, and then let's look at Denver really. But these guys, these guys, these two teams specifically talking about best ball mania three strategy are a huge crux of, of my entire strategy. And I think people will misconstrue it to think it's about week 17. And it actually isn't. Um, I think these are the two perfect situations that we want to buy into because they both have tons of uncertainty, but truly unbelievable upside and really a kind of reasonable floor, especially now, you know, unfortunately Tim Patrick got hurt, but 
um, as we start to get a little more clarity on the backfield uh, on both sides, but definitely in Kansas city. And then um, they kind of, the target competition starts to weed itself out a little bit. Those are just the two teams. I want to be overweight, like on all these guys. And like you see, I mean, I don't have anybody over 20% on the Broncos, even though they're like one of my highest owned teams, 20% Javante, 19% Melvin. I don't draft them together. So, you know, 40% of my teams have one of the Broncos running backs. Honestly, would probably prefer that to be higher. 19% Alberto, Judy, or Sutton. 10, so 10% Sutton, 17% Judy. This is about kind of what I would hope, right? I had, I had six Tim Patrick teams. Um, let me see here. ML says, if Watson gets full year suspension, I bet they trade Hunt. <clears throat> yeah, I like this take. Uh, if Watson plays this year, they keep him in case they make the playoffs. I think that's a totally, totally, totally reasonable um, way to 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 view things. And so, uh, I think that I think that's that's probably a pretty heavy favorite, actually. If if Watson gets the full year, I think it would only make sense for them to be like, okay, look, this ain't the year. Hunt's going to be gone next year anyway. Or if they pay Hunt which I don't think they're going to do, but like, let's say they were to pay hunt. If Watson gets the whole year, uh, then Dearness is the guy who, you know, is expendable since they drafted Jerome Ford and Jerome Ford looked unreal in that preseason game, by the way, if something, if they do make a move, Jerome Ford, you talk about BBM three late draft strategy. I'd be taking some Jerome Ford. If, uh, if they move, if they move one of those guys. So just in kind of the last, uh, X amount of minutes here. I want to talk about like, okay, I've done 90 drafts. We talked through the risers and fallers. We talked through kind of how to handle a lot of those risers and fallers. Like what, what do you want to achieve with these drafts for the rest, for the rest of the cycle? One, um, a big thing for me that I'm trying to do huge thing for me. Part of it has to do with, as you see over here in my team structures, I have 33% zero RB, 33% hero RB, right? Uh, and, and then even then 11% um, of two of two running early running backs. So, you know, 80% of my teams are fairly early running back light. So naturally, if you're taking, you know, tons of early running backs, it's not quite the same for you, but a huge piece of what I'm trying to do down the stretch is cycling through these new late round running backs. We talked about it with Trey Sermon, but I really think it is like one of the most impactful things we can do here late in drafts. There were so many that the, the, the Daryl Henderson values, you know, I, and then early in earlier drafts, I was taking a stand on Henderson, taking a stand on Dearness, Michael Carter, Gainwell, some of these guys who weren't necessarily last round picks spiller, which isn't looking very good. Rashad white, you know, Miles Sanders, et cetera, Melvin. We were, I was taking Rojo. I was taking stands on a lot of those guys who I thought were kind of the mid-round or late-round underpriced running backs. But the market gets really efficient on all that stuff, right? As we see, any bit of new information when we get to training camp season, these guys skyrocket. But we're also getting new information on other guys. Trey Sermon being Trey Sermon is like the perfect example. We had written, we buried Trey Sermon. And I and I was obviously I didn't draft him. I think I have him on a couple teams now. 
Yeah, so I've drafted Trey Sermon three times now, <clears throat> all probably all in the last week. And it's like, okay, Pacheco shot up. Uh, Brian Robinson is shooting up, et cetera. How much Brian Robinson do I have? So 14% Brian Robinson. See, I feel I feel fine with, with where I stand on Brian Robinson. Um, there are going to be Eli Mitchell's Sony trying to think Um, those types of guys from last year, Cordell Patterson. I know he was a wide receiver on underdog, but you get the point. Another great example. Um, Derek says if Dobbins and Gus continue to have bad reports, Beatty, or if you prefer Mike Davis, those guys, Trey Sermon, um, I did. I did mention the Steelers thing. I'm I'm drafting some Jalen Warren. I don't. I think I may be taking him twice. Yeah. So two two Jalen Warren teams. Like just I just want to take new shots on guys as more we get this new information emerging. I didn't have information about Jalen fucking Warren in May, right? I mean I know who Jalen Warren is. He's a beast in college football DFS, by the way, but. You know, there was no way for me to know about Jalen Warren and Isaiah Pacheco as 18th round best ball targets. And there were probably at that point better 18th round best ball targets. Yeah. Anthony McFarlane, if you prefer Anthony McFarlane to Jalen Warren, right? Or you want to go back to Benny Snell. I don't. I kind of want to take the shot on on Warren, the new, you know, shiny new toy or whatever. But it's the same thing. I want to cycle through these new late round guys, right? And I kind of think... Outside of uh, outside of a few guys at, at wide receiver, it, it's mostly at the running back position where we're getting Beatty, Warren, McFarland, Sermon. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. Let me go to let me just go to drafts. Um, the the Titans guys. I know some people have been taking Hassan Haskins already, but Haskins is back there, and I wasn't taking him. So now it's like, okay, those other guys are gone from the 18th round. Now let's take some Haskins. I take some, I take some Dontrell Hilliard. Um, 3% Dontrell Hilliard and 9% Hassan Haskins. Now I, I don't even know if I had taken him before, but like we start to cycle through these other, these other guys um, in those, in those late rounds. And it's because this is the point of these late drafts is yes. Okay. Maybe you missed out on the peak price of Pacheco, but now you're also getting these guys that were undrafted. Like the the contest is already 60% full. So it's physically impossible for these guys to be more on more than like 50% of teams. Trey Sermon, you know, Jalen Warren is definitely not going to be right. And so you're, you're, this is the point of these drafts is finding these guys that we get a little bit more information on and then taking your shot. And so those guys, th- those are a big, a big, big piece of what I'm trying to do here to close, to close out drafts. And then, um, <laughs> the, uh, I was going to bring this up. Um, one of a few different things I'm trying to do. <clears throat> Andy says, need to get that late round tight end exposure up. And Sean says, love some, some zero tight end. Yeah. So I have 17% late round tight end and I do want to move that number up. So two things. One, you see between late round tight end and elite tight end, that's you know 70, 70 plus percent of my portfolio. I actually kind of want to increase that number between the two of them 
to a higher number. Um, I really, I really do think as we've experienced drafts, I want to kind of be barbelling again to use that phrase between er, the the elite tight ends and then these late later round tight ends. I really do think that the guys that go a little bit later, Fant, Higby, and Joku, um, even Hayden Hurst, etc., and then the undrafted guys, um, which I wrote about, I, I wrote about the undrafted tight end strategy i think there's a lot of viable ones this year and i know people talk about this thing with tight end um probably every year that oh tight ends deeper tight ends deeper this year and i think in general that's bullshit but this year i think there's a lot of guys that go at the back end of drafts i think that the middle is kind of bad actually so i don't know that i would call it deeper but i think the back end has more upside and when we're in these best ball tournaments, it's more important to think about that because we're trying to find leverage points. I want to get that team through to the finals with some guys like I love Kyle Pitts. As you see, Kyle Pitts is my fourth highest owned player. I love him, but like Kyle Pitts goes in the third round of every draft. He's in a hunt on a hundred percent of drafts. Like, you get a cut if Kyle Pitts smashes like Mark Andrews did last year. He's he, Mark Andrews was on almost 70% of Best Ball Mania 2 final teams. 70%. And tight end, even with Mark Andrews, is the most volatile scoring position that you can have. And so, how do I ratchet up not even just late round tight end? How do I ratchet up that, that uh, leverage when all I'm doing is fading? five elite guys like i don't honestly really care that much about fading dalton schultz and fading mike kosicki and pat fryermuth i don't really care about that you're fading the superstars but there's only five of them and so taking these guys that are you know my my my, my current guy is isaiah likely um i have seven percent so it's not like i have a lot right but i've drafted isaiah likely six times and I think that we ha- like Isaiah likely is going to make the team, <laughs> which is like first step of any la- late round pick is like, is he going to make the team? Isaiah likely is going to make the team. And I think what people have done at the Ravens wide receiver thing is overprojected Rashad Bateman a little bit, probably overprojected Mark Andrews a little bit, but because they got rid of Hollywood, they've said, Oh, it's going to be Duvernay or, Oh, now Bateman is going to be a smash. And I like Rashad Bateman. I have a, I have a little bit, seven times I've drafted Rashad Bateman. But what I think they, that the signal was letting, getting rid of Hollywood, not replacing him, but drafting two tight ends, Isaiah likely and Charlie Kohler, and then bringing in Mike Davis and Tyler Beatty. Justice Hill is back. You know, not not all those guys are going to make the team, but I think what they did was show us a signal that they want to get back to kind of the old school Ravens football last year, obviously was mostly injury related, but it didn't work all the throwing. It didn't work. It was the worst Ravens team we've had in a while. So I think they want to get back to, to multiple tight end sets and all of that. And so he's just one example. This, this all a hundred percent Trey McBride. is a second round pick. He just has an old Zach Ertz in front of him, which he could benefit from, from, from an injury, Zach Ertz has gotten hurt plenty and he's older or just over the course of the season, 
take over for Zach Ertz. He won the Mackey Award, and he doesn't get drafted. It's crazy. Um, lots of guys here you guys have mentioned. Daniel Bellinger, Revan Jordan, Mo Alley-Cox, Austin Hooper. Um, I take Kylan Granson and not Mo Alley-Cox. Um, and ML says uh, uh, Baltimore uh, should split likely out wide. Yeah, so he's, he's from he's from Coastal Carolina, and he's basically just a wide receiver, not a blocker. But that's kind of part of the point is I, I, I think I'm functionally – Right, he's going to be listed as a tight end. He's going to play in line some, of course, but functionally as a weapon in the offense, I think likely is really just a wide receiver. And and so I get to draft a guy who's functionally a wide receiver on the Ravens that doesn't get picked in in best ball drafts. And I, why can't he be you know the biggest beneficiary of Hollywood being gone? Like Mark Andrews can't really physically earn more targets. Bateman can earn a little bit. But like Devin Du, I like James Prochet a little bit. I'm not really on Devin Duvernay, but Devin Duvernay and Prochet and Tylen Wallace like can't physically earn that many targets, so they got to go somewhere. Um, so anyway, the 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 late round tight end and undrafted tight end thing. I'm trying to ratchet that up, and I'm trying to like I said barbell the tight end position generally, just 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 generally speaking. And then. Um, the other thing that I'm 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 really really trying to do move, moving forward here is be more even more fragile with my um, roster construction, like even more, I, I, I'm generally pretty pretty fragile as it is, but I want to. Um, that's that's funny. Uh, I want to use this late drafting period to my advantage the reason to be a little a little less fragile you i think you still want to be fragile even when you're drafting early but a, a, to be a little less fragile is you get to like some of the late rounds and like you we don't know we didn't know Trey Sermon was going to be back to being a thing we didn't some people didn't even know who the fuck Isaiah Pacheco was right there's all sorts of these different things. Definitely didn't know about Isaiah Likely, right? We're, the the mid to late rounds are all so much more certain. All so much more certain. And we can use that to our advantage by when I draft a robust team. So I drafted, a, I can pull it up actually. Just to use it as an example to, uh, to show here. Today, I drafted a robust team. CMC, I think. I think I took CMC. Let's find it. 2493. Oh, no, not this. I want to, uh, sorry. Sort, sort, sort by date. Here we go. 2313. So I drafted this team today. And why did I draft this team this way today? Because I have this certainty, right? So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to draft a robust team. I decided I wanted to try out a three. Running back, CMC, Aaron Jones, and Lenny. And then now that we're later in the offseason, you see, you see my my James Prochet stack. But these are the I, I can just bolt on all these wide receivers. I never have to worry about them getting cut. I I kind of have a bunch of certainty, right? Isaiah McKenzie, you know, we took I took a pick 147. People be like, oh, what do you mean you took him when he he moved up? 
because I, I draft that robust team and now I'm just bolting on all these guys who I feel more confident and comfortable in now than I did before. And I can draft that late round tight end team with Alberto and Higby and Fant fell, right? I was, I was kind of going for a, a zero tight end team, but then Alberto fell fast ADP and Higby did and no, no Fant falls to pick 195. And uh, I can't, uh, uh, you know, I can't pass that up just because I'm telling myself to take an undrafted guy, right? But you see like Olave and Wilson and Alec Pierce and, and I took my guy MVS and you have Drake London. I just took all these, you know, youthful wide receivers. Um, and I did take Marcus Mariota, who I won't go on a rant about Marcus Mariota, but I am trying to take uh, a lot more. I mean, look at, look at this. My last three teams here, I've taken Mariota on all three of them because there's another thing about like the certainty and stuff. Um, I feel more confident now that Mary, I, I should have felt it before, but I feel more confident now that Mariota is going to, uh, for sure be the starter. I, I definitely don't feel confident he's going to do it for the entire year. But I think when you draft him with Lamar Jackson or with Kyler Murray or with Josh Allen or something like that, like 17th, 18th round Marcus Mariota, like last year, uh, Liam, who won Best Ball Mania 2, had Justin Fields as the second quarterback with Josh Allen. If your elite guy is a hit, Marcus Mariota is probably not going to be all that relevant in week 17 anyway. And so I thought Mariota looked awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Derek. Mar I thought Mariota looked really good in the preseason. He ran like crazy, which is, which is exactly what you're looking for. And so if he can just get you a few weeks and, and help you get to the playoffs and then let Lamar take over, like, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in for that, you know? Um, so he's a, he's a guy who I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, uh, take, a little, a little bit more of, but I'm trying to use the certainty that we've gained in the late, in the later rounds to my, to my advantage. I'm personally going to draft plenty more zero running back teams, but start to build through. Right. So I was drafting so many zero and hero running back teams that had all the same guys, right? Daryl Henderson and Kenny Gainwell, Michael Carter, whatever, Ronald Jones. But now I can do all that. Maybe I pay a little bit more of a premium on certain wide receivers, or I pay a little bit more of a premium on Isaiah Pacheco or Brian Robinson or whatever. But now I'm cycling through new teams with those guys, and I'm using that information to my advantage. In May, do you think I have any zero running back teams with Isaiah Pacheco and Trey Sermon? Of course not. But what if Isaiah Pacheco is, what if he's the guy you need? Bullshit. But what if Isaiah Pacheco is the starting running back on the Chiefs in week 17, and Trey Sermon's the starting running back on the Niners in week 17? I want to cycle through those scenarios while still building those teams. I'm using the newfound information that I have from this time period to my advantage and not being stuck to all my takes from the entire summer and not hinging like we talked about for the first half hour, 45 minutes on the, the ADP like, Oh, so-and-so rose. It's like, just because the Pacheco rose, do I want to be locked out of Pacheco? Like, get, I want to have some, maybe I'm just a sick fuck. I want to have some Pacheco, Brian Robinson, Trey Sermon, like Jalen Warren teams, zero running back teams. Like I'll give me like seven running backs on those teams, but I, I want to use this now to get those combinations of players that not only do I not have, I have zero of those guys in my, in my portfolio, like combinations of those guys in my portfolio. But now I also have, they're better picks now because of the information that I have and nobody's going to have those combinations of players, right? So give me the, 
give me Pollard, Henderson, and all those those late round uh, running backs mixed together, tie them up in a bow, and put them on a zero running back team. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe now I pair that with my undrafted tight end or whatever. you got all these unique teams that are good. You, they, you drafted good teams. You didn't have to do crazy stuff. We're always seeking leverage and uniqueness and all that in these drafts. Use this, these, this next month, these next three weeks. That's the point of this time is to use all this and figure out ways to, to put it together and then be smart about, the George Pickens. And if Pacheco does get crazy, be smart about that. And then when we get the inevitable injury, you know, we're hoping that it doesn't happen. Well, when you get this year's Cam Akers or this year's Travis Etienne or whatever, be smart about how you handle this year's Daryl Henderson or this year's James Robinson, right? We'll talk. We'll definitely be here talking, you know, on this channel, be talking plenty about that when and if, or when um, that, you know, injury inevitably happens. We've luckily really only seen it with with Tim Patrick, but when that type of thing happens, um, we'll figure out how to how, how to handle it. But I think I think there's a lot of things that we can do, both from the structure perspective, undrafted tight end, those kinds of things. But with this information that we have here moving forward, and hopefully a lot of that we we covered, you know, a lot of the key players and and all that kind of stuff. We talking a lot more, a lot more. Um, uh, best ball mania three strategy for sure. Like I said, I got 60 more drafts to do here in the next here in the next few weeks. Um, I'll be back tomorrow drafting a team. Um, I don't know what site will be drafted it on. So be on the lookout, be on the lookout for, or I'm sorry. Tomorrow is strategy. Friday is drafting a team being sick. The last two days has, uh, has screwed me. This screwed me up. Thank you guys for hanging out. Be back tomorrow about the same time uh, for some more, some best ball theory, some more strategy talk, and then back on Friday, drafting the team. Be on the lookout for the BBM uh, playbook tonight and rankings updates. Got those coming out for you for you tonight, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.